Hey, Willow, I hope you're excited and expectant to hear from a living God today. I'm excited. Why? Because we get to hear from him through his word to us. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. As you're turning there, I want you to think about your answer to this question. What do you want to remember about this season? Looking back in five years or in 10 years, what will you remember? I even wonder which season is coming to your mind. Is it COVID-19, the past few years at Willow, or maybe church without a building? When someone asks you how you're doing in this season, you have tons of options. And in fact, your answer depends on what you in that moment choose to remember. How have you answered? Do you talk about the financial hit that we're facing? Do you think about isolation? Or maybe you jump into family dinners and it's been great. You see, we have a choice on what we say in that moment. And while we don't always get to choose what we go through, we do get to choose how we experience it and how we talk about it. In other words, how we remember. And we must be intentional about remembering because otherwise we'll slip into remembering what we should forget and forgetting what we should remember. Like people's names. How good are you with people's names? Years ago, I met someone who called me out when I forgot her name moments after meeting her. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I just really bad with names. She said, no, you're not. I said, what? She said, you're just not choosing to be good at remembering them. A little effort has gone a long way since that day. And you, by the way, can be good and better at names too if you choose to remember them. Because remembering names is significant. Remembering God is essential. As we wrap up this series, Standing Strong in a Shaken World, we're going to discover together how to stand strong in a forgetful world. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, we find the Israelites still in the wilderness, but on the edge of the very next season with Moses calling and commanding them to remember. You see, they had God's promises and they'd experienced these radical miracles, yet they'd worship him on Sundays and forget about him on Mondays. Can you relate? Here we are on the verge of the very next season of Willow next week and waiting on the current season of COVID. Would we open ourselves to receive God's words through Moses and be willing to be transformed into a people who live really well in the waiting. Moses writes this, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may in turn possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. 
For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees. He's going on and on about water and the amount of food. Why? Because the Israelites had been wandering in the desert where food was not plentiful, where they couldn't find water. And so Moses goes off and then he warns them. Verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, when you get to what's next, Praise the Lord, your God, for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord, your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses then goes off again on all the things God has done for them, and he reminds them, he reminds them. And then he warns them, verse 17, you may say to yourself when you get to what's next, my power and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me, verse 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. The Israelites were at the end of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Hasn't, by the way, the past few months felt like a wilderness, wandering and waiting? You see, we too are waiting like them, waiting to see our grandkids, to go back to work, to give people hugs or greet people at church. Moses encourages those waiting for what's next with what seems so simple but is so challenging to remember. Remember God, he says. You see, of course, the Israelites knew God, but remembering is more than just knowledge. Biblical remembering is bringing someone or something to mind and then acting upon their behalf. Remembering is always tied to action. It's a powerful and participatory concept where we reorient our lives and act according to whatever is being remembered. And as people who can become content with just knowing truth about God, this definition is really helpful. Because when we're commanded to remember, we're not just commanded to know something. We're commanded to bring it to mind and then act on their behalf. Moses urges the people to remember God and obey his commands. Because he knows that if they forget, the people will reorient their lives around something else. It's no wonder they, all through the wilderness, and even we live selfish and fearful lives if we only remember ourselves, our failures, what we're going through, our successes, or maybe even focusing on our unknowable futures. Therefore, the invitation for them and for us is to remember God, to turn toward him and then act on his behalf wherever we're at. Wherever you're at, you can remember God in your home You can turn toward God and then act on his behalf in your home. You see, to live well now at work or in our home, we must remember God, which is why Moses not only commands it, he then gives five ways to remember it. Beginning with this, remember God's promises. 
You see, all throughout the wilderness, wandering, the Israelites remembered and focused more on the problems than on God's promises. They grumbled and complained about the problems and really just whined their way through the wilderness. And it's not just true for them, it's true for us. If you only remember the problems, you'll not only find them, you'll magnify them. You see, focusing on the promise of God doesn't just disregard the problems. The problems, of course, still exist and they need to be addressed. But remembering God's promises gives us new perspective on the problems. You see, if you're on the lookout for things today to complain about, you'll find them. If you're looking for the problems with yourself, your experiences, this church even, or this pandemic, your family, you will absolutely find the problems. But can I tell you this? All God's promises are yes and amen. What a great song. Do you love that? Me too. If you haven't heard it, you just kind of did. You're welcome. All his promises are yes and amen. It's a great song to sing, but what we need to do is get practical. What are they? We need to remember what they are. Can I remind you of my favorite one lately? Jeremiah 29, 13. God speaking says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you hear the promise? If you seek him, you will find him. In other words, you can find God everywhere in this season. Do you want to remember God? Remember his promises? And number two, remember God's presence. Moses reminds them in verse two, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness. Not only did God lead them to a wilderness, he also led them all the way in the wilderness. And they weren't the only ones. In fact, throughout the entire Bible, God's people always go through the wilderness, it seems. And it's often the wilderness place that they find God, which means despite how dreadful the wilderness is, people meet God there. So let me ask you, have you found him yet? God can and will be found in the unlikeliest of places if we're looking for him, even when we're driving. My husband has the most unusual hobby. It began just a few years ago. You see, as someone who used to manage an ambulance company, he knows what drivers of big vehicles are supposed to do, and he also knows what they're not supposed to do on the road. He also knows how easy it is as a human to find bad drivers on the road. So my husband decided one day to search for something else. You ready for it? He decided to start looking for the good in drivers. I remember the day he told me about it. We were driving and then he saw some sign and he said, oh, I found one. I said, found what? He said, I found a how's my driving sign and a 1-800 number. And I said, what do you mean? He says, oh, you got to watch this. This is like my favorite thing to do. I said, okay. So we dialed it and I remember the lady, how she answered. She said, hi, uh, my name is Jessica. Are you calling to give a compliment or a complaint? My husband responds, I'd like to compliment one of your drivers. There was a long pause. She responded, I'm so sorry. I think I may have misheard you. Did you say you're calling to give a compliment? Yes, my husband (laughs) said. You heard me correctly. I'd love to compliment one of your truck drivers. You see, I've been driving behind him and noticed a how's my driving sign along with this 1-800 number. So I spent the past few minutes mentally noting everything he was doing right. 
there was another pause. She couldn't believe it. In fact, she actually got the case of the giggles because after 10 years on the job, receiving eight hours a day of back-to-back-to-back-to-back complaints about her driver, this was the very first compliment she had received. My husband continues, he got so creative. You see, your driver was doing a fantastic job staying between the lines. At this point, she's just laughing. But we could tell she was also trying to keep her composure. Please tell me more, sir. What else did he do? right? She is now cracking herself up. And my husband managed to be creative, yet still remaining truthful. I remember he says, your driver maintained an adequate distance between his vehicle and the vehicle in front of him. In fact, your driver also made multiple lane changes. And each time, guess what he used? His turn indicator. This woman could not stop laughing. At the end, she just thanked us for finding the good. Since that day, I've become more aware of the need in this world to remember to find the good. And have you noticed? It's sometimes very hard to do, especially in seasons like this. And can I tell you, this isn't just positive thinking or finding the silver lining in this crazy season. What's the very best good we can find in someone or something? Well, in someone, the best thing we can find is God's image, of course. By the way, whether or not they know him, You see, in that moment, my husband didn't mention God by name, but he did choose to find his image. Willow, have you found God yet in this season? If you have, remember what he's done. Bring it to mind and talk about it. If you haven't found him, seek to find him. He promises to be found by you. The Israelites that Moses writes to or speaks to in this moment didn't focus on God's promises or his presence They, rather, longed for what was, and they began to fantasize their old normal. Sound familiar? They fantasized about the season where they were slaves in Egypt, which is why Moses reminds them not just of God's promises and his presence, he also explains God's purpose for the wilderness too. And we need to remember it as well. Remember God's purposes. You see, people don't just meet God in the wilderness. There's a purpose for being there for them and for us. For them, the Israelites had been delivered from slavery, and yet, verse 2, God led them all the way in the wilderness. In other words, he led them through the hard. There was purpose to their pain. You see, they were slaves in Egypt, and God freed them. They were free from slavery at this moment. But when they got to the promised land, God said, hey, here's the promised land. Go and take it. And they looked at all the problems, all the inhabitants and all the problems they might face. And they said, you know what? Let's go back to Egypt. They remembered their time in slavery. They turned and acted as slaves do. So God took them out of slavery. But the truth is the slavery had not been taken out of them. So God had to lead them back into the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness for a purpose. The wilderness was where the slavery was wrestled out of them so they could live like the free people they already were. I wonder if God wants to wrestle out of us the areas we were slaves to culture pre-quarantine, slaves to, to busyness, to maybe workaholism, absent, being so absent from our families, and maybe, maybe materialism for you. What does God want to wrestle out of you? 
How have you been a slave to this culture? See, we too need to remember God's purposes for the wilderness because some of God's best work can be done here. And Moses gets specific and even explains how. Verse 2 He says this, remember how the Lord led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you. And then he goes on to get specific with how God humbles. Verse three says this, he humbled you, causing you to hunger. In other words, causing you to see your need for God. Have you experienced a sharper awareness of your needs in this season? I can almost imagine Jesus compassionately leaning in and saying, Hey, when did you start believing you could do everything on your own? And as we become more aware of our needs, I imagine him saying, when did you forget about me and all I've done for you, how I brought you here? Willow, there's purpose in the wilderness. He's using it to humble us. Dallas Willard put it this way. He said, God's address is at the end of your rope. In other words, God dwells and he moves in the space of our humble dependence on him. Even though it's comfortable, dependence is a gift. It forces us to finally look outside of ourselves. I see, awareness of our needs humbles us. Our awareness that we can't be the perfect parent, work the perfect job, make the perfect income, be the perfect neighbor, do all the things and love all the people perfectly and read 50 books during quarantine, all this, these expectations we have of ourselves, the awareness that we can't be all of these things to all of these people will lead us to humility. In fact, confessing our brokenness, arrogance, maybe even our pride And becoming more dependent upon God allows us to remember him. God's purpose in the wilderness is to humble and to test you. You may be wondering, God tests? Yes. Let me clarify. God tests. The enemy tempts. The difference between the two is key. See, a test is an opportunity but with the goal of success. A temptation is an opportunity with the goal of failure. Our God is a good teacher who tests with the goal of success to mature you, to prepare you to move into what's next. He doesn't want to fail you. In fact, he keeps on letting us retake the test, just like he did over and over again with the Israelites. Temptation, on the other hand, is an opportunity with the goal of failure. So you see, while God tries to get the best out of you with testing, the enemy through temptation tries to put the worst into you. Why does God humble and God test? He goes on to get specific and he says this, in order to know what's in your heart. In order to know whether or not you'd obey him. See, God tests because he cares about your heart more than you do. Listen, I know the wilderness is rough. Think about it. I know you hate it, but don't just remember the problems. Remember God's promises, his presence, and his purpose. He doesn't cause us to hunger. He also, he doesn't stop there. He also, verse 3 feeds you with manna. Number four, we need to remember God's provision. You see, it's tempting for us to stop at, he causes us to hunger. We can't stop there because it also says, and then he feeds you. In other words, he doesn't just starve you to death in the wilderness. 
I believe he's starving something in you for you to experience life. He causes us to hunger and then feeds us to teach us that man does not live on bread alone. See, God wants to teach us to live on his word, not the applause and the approval of others. God's not starving us in the wilderness. He's wanting to starve something out of us there. So let me ask you, this is where it gets personal. Where were you finding satisfaction and provision before the wilderness, before COVID-19, before the loss of finances? Were you finding your provision in your own abilities, your finances, You see, Moses reminds them, God has provided for you the whole time, and he wants to provide you with his words. He wants to, verse 3, teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You need his words. In fact, it was Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8.3 to the enemy when he was in the wilderness being tempted. Can I tell you what you need to fight temptation in the wilderness? God's words. Can I actually take it one step further? You don't just need to know his words. You need to remember them. Remembering is more than just knowing the truth. It's acting on behalf of them. It's acting and living as if they're true. Therefore, this entire message is not just about what we know. It's about what we need to remember about what we already know. So let's get personal. You know God loves you, right? Do you know it? Are you content there? Or are you remembering it and allowing it to stop you from being a people pleaser who can't seem to disappoint others or doesn't want to? You know Jesus can calm the storms, but do you remember it when you're most afraid? Forgetting God greatly affects our lives. In order to live well, we must remember. So let me ask you, how will you remember God in this season? We have to get creative. In fact, this is where the message has the potential to stick. This message is just the beginning of the conversation. When you put it to speech, you can actually remember it. So I urge you, after this service, have a conversation today. Remember his promises. Look them up. Where have you experienced his presence? Talk about it. If someone's in your home, don't just get content moving on to what's next. No, talk about his presence. Remember his purposes. Answer this. How has he humbled and tested you? How is he preparing you for what's next? Or maybe just go off and celebrate how you've experienced God's provision. How will you remember? I can tell you this. I can tell you how my friends remember Sue and Rick Beanie. Years ago, they wanted to remember. They didn't just take a message and say, okay, it's a good message. They said, no, no, I want to take it and I want to act. So they started asking a question every day because they wanted to remember God every day. They would ask this, who is it today, Lord? It's a prayer. It's also, it's a question. In fact, it's inspiring. And each day, it's how they remember God. In other words, they're asking, who will we have the opportunity to impact for God's glory today? Who is it today, Lord? They remember God and then act on his behalf. Will it be, sometimes it's a coffee barista, or sometimes it's a friend who needs a favor. Sometimes they smile as they say, it's just each other. (laughs) They've showed up in the middle of the night for me to pray for my dad before his surprise heart surgery. 
They've waited in waiting rooms with me. They've even gifted me timely books. They and my parents drove by our home just to honk and celebrate life during this pandemic. This question that they ask, who is it today, Lord, gives a focus to their day and an agenda for their life. And each day they end up with a great story. And as someone who's been a benefactor of their love, I must admit it's effective. So let me ask you, how will you remember God? How will you act on God's behalf? Your answer might just be worship, and it might just be impactful to those around you. Friends, I wanted to uh, stop the message right about here, ending with, remember God's promises, his presence, purpose, provision. Remember and act. But here's the truth. As I thought about it and I was praying for you, I spent time praying for you, and as I did, I thought, kept thinking, I just keep forgetting, though. I just knew that you'd maybe hear the message, but then you'd keep on forgetting. In fact, Moses knew it too. Throughout the book of Deuteronomy, Moses knew that they'd miss it. And here's the best news of all and what I look forward to telling you. It's a way that you can live in peace knowing that you will still forget. And it's this. God remembers you. God has turned towards you and acted on your behalf in sending his son, Jesus. God's promises, his presence, his purposes and provision are all found in the person of Jesus. You see, Jesus lived the life we couldn't and he died the death we deserved. And he remembered you and then went to the cross on your behalf. And because of his substitutionary death and miraculous resurrection, we now can find life and forgiveness for everything, even forgetting in him. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, God declares, I will remember your sins no more. Now, of course, God is omniscient. He knows everything. However, God can choose to remember or not to remember something. And so when he says, I remember your sins no more, he's saying this. He's chosen not to turn toward you and punish you as your sins deserve because he already paid the price and the penalty for our sins. And he does not demand any further payment. It is finished. How can we ever respond or repay him? That's it. This is where the message lands. We can't. But what can we do? Remember. We can remember his promises. We can remember his presence. What a gift. We can remember his purposes in every season, his gracious provision. And we can remember that even though we forget, God remembers us. Today, will practically obey God's command by remembering with communion. How appropriate. We do this, Paul says, in remembrance of him. Right now, I'm going to give you a little time to get your communion elements representing Christ's body and his blood. And by the way, it doesn't have to be fancy. It can just be anything, a bit of cracker, it can be sandwich bread, cereal, whatever, and then grab a little juice or water, or whatever's in your fridge. A few weeks ago, I melted a grape popsicle. Friends, go on. You have a little bit of time to grab those things.
partake in the Lord's Supper is to remember God. We get to remember his promises. He promised to send a redeemer. We remember his presence, Jesus came. We remember his purposes, he died, and his provision. We get to receive eternal life. In communion, we remember. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Christ's body broken for us. Let's partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. His blood poured out for us. Let's remember together. Willow, would you stand and receive this blessing if you're able? Stand with me. You can even extend your hands. Willow Creek Community Church, may you remember. May you remember God's promises. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Remember his presence. You're not as alone as you might feel. Remember his purposes. He's given us a purpose and his provision. He's with us always. And remember that even though you forget, God has remembered you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for remembering us. Forgive us for all the times that we forget, for the times we only think of ourselves. God, help us to remember, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. Be blessed, Willow. We'll see you next week.